born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. See, they were saying that he don't believe the law. He don't believe the prophet. He doesn't believe what Moses had to say. And he's against the temple. Paul was never against anything that was right. We know that the law is the end of righteousness to everyone that believeth. But he says, believing all things which are written in the law and in the prophets. He is defending himself. And now, remember in the uh, previous chapter where he caused division among the Sanhedrin by saying the Sadducees believe this and the Pharisees believe that. And he says, I believe in the hope, in the resurrection. I believe in angel." And spirit, because he told them, he said, I saw someone who spoke to me out of the clear blue sky. And he says, who art thou? And he says, I am Jesus whom thou persecuteth. As far as the Jews, if it's Jesus, it's a spirit. But they believed in spirit, but the Sadducees did not. So he caused a division. But notice now as he continues this line of thought, because now it changes the tactics, how he defends himself in court. He says in verse 15, And having have hope toward God, which they themselves also follow, that there shall be a, get this, resurrection of the dead, both of the just and the unjust, So now he's getting a chance to teach. But why did he talk about the resurrection of the dead? Because it dealt with Jesus Christ coming back again from the dead. It was also one of the reasons why, uh, well, King Agrippa later wanted to hear more about this Jesus who came back from the dead. It's interesting. But look what he says here in verse 16. And herein do I exercise myself to have always, get this, a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. He'd said that before. He's saying it again. And now get what he says in verse 17. Now, after many years, I came to bring alms to my nation and offerings. Now, that's in Acts chapter 21 in verse 18 where he says that he came. And he went with those four, remember? And now that he had gone and he's done that, and now all the problem that started because somebody said that he has profaned the temple because he, over there in Ephesus, he brought somebody in that was a Gentile into the temple, but it wasn't Paul that did it. And it was an uncircumcised Gentile. He says, after many years, you see, he'd come back and James asked him, says, would you go to the temple and would you do that? 
What happened then becomes part of the defense. He says, because they said that you're against all. He says, no, I'm not. He said, I came and I offered alms. Alms were usually that which was given to the poor. And offering that I made to the temple. And whatever it was, not so much as a sacrifice, but something that he gave. In verse 18, whereupon certain Jews, from where? Asia. Found me purified in the temple, neither with multitude nor with tumult. I did not cause any problems. I did not start a riot. I was not the instigator. Who, in verse 19, who ought to have been here before thee and object if they had ought against me. Where are they? They didn't show up. Where are my accusers? You know, Jesus could have said that. They had false witnesses against him. You see, there's always somebody who wants to bring down somebody. Somebody who wants to accuse, to blame, to hurt. And he makes this statement. In verse 19, who ought to have been here before thee and object. Verse 20, or else let these same here say, if they have found any evil doing in me while I stood before the council. Except it be for this one voice that I cried standing among them, touching the resurrection of the dead, I am called in question by you this day. And when Felix heard these things, having more perfect knowledge of that way, he deferred him and says, when Lysias, the chief captain, shall come down, I will know the uttermost of your matter. Remember, he had sent them there and he stayed in Jerusalem. Now he's got to come down. And then in verse 23, And he commanded a centurion to keep Paul and to let him have liberty and that he should forbid none of his acquaintances to minister or come unto him. You think everything's okay now. No, everything's not okay. Do you realize that Paul was locked up for almost two years to settle this case? Almost two years. You see, look what he says here in verse 24. And after certain days... Uh, When Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, which was a Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning, get this, the faith in Christ. Now, if he got a chance to hear Paul, do you think Paul took the time to tell him how to have eternal life, how to be saved? I believe he witnessed to him. You know that God had said from the very beginning, I'm going to let you talk to these head honchos in high places. God's going to work it out in his life that he'll get these opportunities. Now, sometimes we don't always get our dreams the way we think. Sometimes you're going to have a death of a dream, and you don't know how it's going to happen or if it ever will happen. But you know that somewhere behind the scenes, God is working, and God can do whatever God wants to do, and God can make things happen. God was working in Paul's life. You see, God had already looked down through the corridors of time, and he knew what was going to happen. And God can work behind the scenes, and I believe that he did. I think he worked in public, too, (laughs) not just behind the scenes. But look what he says here in verse 25. And as he reasoned of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come, Felix trembled and answered, Go thy way for this time. When I have a convenient season, I will call for thee. Now look in verse 26. If you don't believe there's shysters in this world and people who try to bribe you, That's why I said this morning, I don't want nobody to waste their time trying to to bribe me. 
You know, if you don't do what I want, I'll leave the church. Bye. Bye. Because I ain't going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. I'm here. Does it sound like I'm planning on staying for a while? All right, now look what he says. He says, I, I want to have a more convenient time later. But look what he says in verse 27. He hoped also that money should have been given him of Paul, that he might lose him. Wherefore, he sent for him the oftener and communed with him. You're not trying to tell me that people are, can be bought, that he wanted some money. That's what you know a lot of people in Washington and our legislators, lobbyists, are buying their vote. Lobbyists. They take them out. They give them things. They treat them like kings and do all kind of secret things and under the table and all that there. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't it a shame that we have all these people who are voted to go up there and they can't think without all those lobbyists telling them what to do and how to vote and to educate them? Whatever happened to them reading and studying and educating themselves, though they'll know what's right and wrong. I can see through some things. And some things bother me just a little bit. But look what he says. In verse 27, but after two years, Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. Now, this Festus here, this is not the same one on gun smoke. This, this is a different Festus. Some of you didn't know the difference, so I thought I'd, I'd have to make it clear, you know, so that you know. Verse 1 of chapter 25, very quickly. Now, when Festus was coming to the province, after three days, he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. Then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul, and he besought him and desired favor against him, that he would send for him to Jerusalem, laying wait in the way to kill him. So now they've got to try to figure out a way. How can we get Paul out of the hands of the Romans and get him to go back to Jerusalem so they can kill him? Because they didn't want Rome to do it. They wanted to do it. Isn't it wonderful to be so loved by your family brethren, you know? And yet Paul loved them. Paul wanted them to have eternal life. But here's people that wanted to do him in. So it says in last part of verse 3, laying wait in the way to kill him. But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself would depart surely thither. Let them therefore, said he, O which among you are able, go down with me and accuse this man, if there be any wickedness in him. And when he had tarried among them, more than ten days he went down into Caesarea, and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. Boy, he gets to talk to everybody, don't he? Nobody's got any accusations against him at all. They can't prove anything. And yet, it's been over two years. And then it says here in verse 7, And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood around about laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. While he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar, have I offended anything at all. 
But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul. And he says, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem, and there be judged of these things before me? They wanted to get him going to Jerusalem. Because, you know, between Caesarea and Jerusalem, about 70 miles, we can kill him. They wanted him dead. So now the question is up, Paul, would you like to go back to Jerusalem? And notice what Paul said in verse 10. Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong as thou very well knoweth. Does it sound like Paul is weak and intimidated? I think he shows boldness and confidence, and he was not afraid. I think that night when the Lord told him, Paul, be of good cheer. As thou hast borne witness here, thou shalt also testify in Rome. I think Paul knew he needed to go on to Rome. And look what he says. In verse 11, For if I be an offender, or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. In other words, I'm not afraid to die. I'm not talking about, I don't want to die. Oh, don't let me die. Don't let me die. No, that's not Paul. But he says, but if there be none of these things whereof these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. I'm a Roman. So he appealed to Caesar. He goes to Caesar. He goes to Rome. And isn't it wonderful that government now has to pay his way? And give him safe guidance all the way there. Where do you see what happens when they start on their journey? At the things that happen to this guy. It's incredible. But notice. In verse 12 he says, Then Festus, when he had conferred with the council, answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar shalt thou go. And after certain days King Agrippa and Bernice came unto Caesarea to salute Festus. And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, There is a certain man left in bonds by Felix, about whom, when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me, desiring to have judgment against him. To whom I answered, Is it not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die before that he which is accused have the accusers face to face? and have license to answer for himself concerning the crimes laid against him? In other words, before I send him to Rome, don't you think it's good that we know what the cause is? What are the accusations? How can we condemn this man and have him sent to Caesar? We don't know what his crime is. You said, does it say that? Oh, well, of course it says that. You see there in uh, verse 27... For it seemeth to me unreasonable to send a prisoner, and not withal to signify the crimes laid against him. What was his crime? Why is this man going? They said before that if he had not appealed to Caesar, he would have been a free man. He could have been set free, and then they all could have killed him. But he appealed to Caesar. And now the Romans have to protect him. Because of his rights as a Roman citizen. So you see there, verse 17. 
Therefore, when they were come thither without any delay on the morrow, I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought forth, against whom, when the accusers stood up, they brought none accusation of such things as I supposed, but had certain questions against him of their own superstition, and of, get this, and of one Jesus, which was dead, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. So you see, there's a lot that happened, a lot that was said that we don't have written here. But by this statement alone, we know Paul said a lot of other stuff. And that he did witness, and it was about the resurrection. It was about Jesus, who was dead, and Paul affirmed he's alive. It's a good clue, isn't it, about what he talked about. That was Paul's message. The gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of the things that happened to him, as he says in the book of Philippians chapter 1, these things that have happened unto me have happened to the furtherance of the gospel. Hold your place right here. Look there in Philippians. I want you to see that verse. In the book of Philippians and chapter 1. And look there in verse, verse 12. Philippians chapter 1 verse 12. You see, the Paul was set for the defense of the gospel. That's mentioned up in verse 7. If you just look in verse 7 real quick. Even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in my defense and in confirmation of the gospel. Ye all are partakers of my grace. What I did that didn't cost you anything, I paid a great price. My work and my labor, and you became the beneficiaries because of the gospel. I am set for the defense of the gospel. And then he makes a statement there in verse 12. But I would ye should understand, brethren, that the things which happened unto me have happened, or fallen out rather, unto the furtherance of the gospel. So that, in verse 13, so that my bonds... In Christ are manifest in all the palace and in all other places. So that what happened to me has caused others to take a stronger stand. To be bold in the gospel. And that's why he says here in verse 14. And many of the brethren in the Lord waxing confident by my bonds. Are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Because Paul could do it without fear. I don't believe Paul is shaken in his boots, scared to death. I believe that Paul had his confidence in the Lord, and he was, it was all about the gospel, the opportunities to share the gospel with somebody else. There's a whole chapter there you can read, and it's just one awesome. Because, see, Philippians was wrote by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison. So now he is on his way. Going back there to the book of Acts, I want you to look there now. In verse 18, against whom when the accusers stood up, they brought none accusation of such things as I suppose. So he goes down through this thing and he tells them what had happened. And then he says there in verse 20, and because I doubted of such manner of questions, I asked him whether he would go to Jerusalem and there be judged of these matters. But when Paul had appealed to be reserved unto the hearing of Augustus in Rome. 
I commanded him to be kept till I might send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said unto Festus, I would also hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, thou may hear him. So now there's another one that wants to hear. Just a coincidence, huh? It's amazing how that this, this little old Jew has shaken the Roman Empire. And he hadn't got to Rome yet. But even in Rome, they heard about him. You read the first chapter there in the book of Romans. But look what he says here. He says in verse 23, And on the morrow when Agrippa was come, and Bernice with great pomp, and was entered into the place of hearing, with the chief captains and principal men of the city, as Festus' commandment, Paul was brought forth. And Festus says, King Agrippa, and all men which are here present with us, ye see this man, about whom all the multitude of the Jews have dealt with me, both at Jerusalem and also here, crying that he ought not to live any longer. Uh, You would think they must want him dead. Isn't that how you would read that? They want him dead. He doesn't have a right to live in, but what has he done wrong? What had he done wrong? Did you know that if you'll serve the Lord, the devil will have people that will hate you for no reason. They can't really put their finger on exactly what it is. And it'll happen to you. And then notice what he says here. Verse 25, but when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and that he himself hath appealed to Augusta, I have determined to send him, of whom I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord. Wherefore, I have brought him forth before you, and especially before thee, O King Agrippa, that after examination, I'll know what to write. I've got to say something, so if you'll examine him, I'll write what you tell me to write. Why are we sending this man to Rome? He's appealed because it was the only thing Paul could do to keep from being killed by the, the Jews. But it opened up one door after another door after another door after another door. All these are opportunities, but all opportunities seems to come with a lot of trouble. Do you want to serve the Lord without trouble? It won't happen. The more you want to serve the Lord, the more you love the Lord the more problems you're going to have. And it doesn't come always from those lost people out there. Sometimes it comes from the Christians. Do you know some of your greatest persecution can come from believers? But they'll do it in a spiritual way. It'll sound so holy and godly. Be on guard. And then the last verse here in verse 27, For it seemeth to me unreasonable to send a prisoner... And not with all to signify the crimes laid against him. So now Paul has got to defend himself against King Agrippa. Boy, I can't wait to get to chapter 26. But we will. See you Wednesday night. Look up here. We are determined, if the Lord wills, we're going to finish this book before the millennium starts. Look up here. This hand represents you and me. And the wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. This simple little message was what Paul's life was all about. Simplicity. Staying simple. You see, you want to stay simple where somebody can copy you.
You know, one of the things that we always liked about Dr. A. Ray Stanford, he was copyable. Copyable. It means that whatever he said, whatever he did, you think, man, anybody can do that. I can do that. That's what he wanted. That was the wisdom. You see, most people, they want something so deep and so spiritual that it don't mind the hill of beans and accomplish nothing, and nobody does anything with it because they don't know what to do. The Lord says, feed my sheep, not my giraffes. You put the food down on the bottom shelf so that everybody can have it. You see, if the children can understand it, there's a good possibility the adults will get it. You put it up here, they're not going to get it. It sounds intellectual and so, but it's a joke. It's emptiness and it's hollowness. Christ was very simple when he talked. He talked about the birds, the fowls of the air. Talked about the sun and the moon. Talked about the stars. Talked about the tree giving fruit or the plant. You won't find a complicated sermon by the apostle. Paul or by Jesus himself. Always where people, the common man can understand. You and I, we've all sinned. We're all condemned. We cannot save ourselves. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's the Lord God in the flesh. He came into the world because he loves us, but he hates what we do wrong because it separates us from the Lord. So the Bible says that Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. He took all the sin upon himself and paid for it in full. Came back from the dead. Paul talked about this Jesus who was alive and died and lives again. Jesus died for your sins because he didn't have any. Came back from the dead and said, if you and I, if we would believe, he did it for us. You have to believe he did it for you. I have to believe he did it for me. And anyone who believes that he did it for them, God says, I'll put that payment to your account. You get to go to heaven on what Christ did for you. No tricks. No gimmicks. Best news in all the world. Let's pray, shall we? With head bowed, nice closed, and no one looking around. Or if you're watching by internet tonight, would you just talk to the Lord and say something simple like this? Lord, I'm a a sinner. I've done things wrong. Friend, we all have. And Lord, I believe that Jesus, when he died, he died for me. And that right now, the best I know how, I believe he did it for me. And I'm going to trust him as my only hope of going to heaven. And friend, it's just that simple. It is just that simple. You see, it's not according to how you live. You don't have to deserve to go to heaven. You don't have to work to go to heaven. Salvation is a gift. It's receiving. The Lord offers you the free gift of eternal life. And if you accept it, you have the free gift of eternal life. And he says he'd never cast you out and never lose you. That's how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. With your head bowed and eyes closed. And if you never trust the Lord and you will do it right now, I'd love to know it. I'd love to have prayer for you. Is there anyone at all before we close? Say, yes, pray for me. I will trust Christ as my Savior right now. And I'd like for you to pray for me. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? Our Father, we thank you so much for this opportunity to come before you. We're so thankful, Lord, that 
there was a man, that there was a man named Paul, that there was a man named Paul who loved you and surrendered his life to you and was willing for you to use him in any way you wanted, anywhere you wanted, as long as you wanted. He wasn't afraid to die. But, Father, he wanted to honor you in all things, and he wanted people to understand the gospel. We thank you for him, for his testimony. We ask, Father, that you to raise up some more of these Pauls in the Bible. And, Father, from the people in our church that feel the same way, that love you, love you enough to serve you. We thank you for it in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.